0: Ah. Ah. Colin Coyle introduces us to Parvis Press. This is the second episode of the Parvis Press series, which started in episode 89. In this episode, we continue talking with Colin Coyle. Does it take to produce a book?
1: So it varies from title to title. Um, more complex books need a more complex team. That's not to say any book is simple. Harvest has four owners. Three of whom are active in the business on a daily basis, one of whom is more for business expertise oversight and and financial support. The three owners that are active in the business on a day-to-day contribute to every single title we have one part-time employee who focuses on book production processes. So managing files, because there's a whole lot of file changes that happen as a as a book passes through all these hands, and you really need one person to keep it all straight. So he's in charge of, of managing the, the iterations and versions uh, going out to the various contractors that work on different parts of the book. So there's a copy editor, there's a layout designer, there's a cover artist, there's a cover designer who takes the art and does the titling and the text layout. You, we've got usually at least one other outside editor that works on a book so probably about uh, we got an outside publicist too so 10 10 to 11 different individuals outside of the author will touch a book from the moment it starts our process to the moment it goes out into the world
0: Wow, that's awesome. That's, what, what you're uh, revealing to us is, is why self-publishing on your own is hard because you have to do a lot of different things, uh, at least proficiently, and, and be able to spend a lot of time doing those things to, to be effective at, say, you know, uh, for example, the uh, PR and marketing alone is, a, is really a, a big job
1: and I'll tell you though that a lot of what I learned in the early stages of how to build this business came from studying what self published authors do i think self published authors are kind of leading the way in a lot of marketing and a lot of a lot of audience building and and building those loyal followings and that's absolutely you know, worth highlighting and commending, but the really successful self-published authors, they're not doing it on their own. They're just owning the process on their own, right? So they're still going to outside copy editors. They still use outside cover designers. They'll still, you know, they, they'll they make their own marketing plans, but they may actually, you know, hire up to somebody to send emails on their behalf or those really successful self-pub authors have whole teams around them as well. Uh, so I don't want to at all, you know, discredit the, the successes and the effort that goes on in that in that world
0: so many ventures get value from identifying the single thing they are the best at in the world what is parvis better at than any other
1: we identify really compelling books that you just don't want to put down nice. Uh-huh. It's a central focus for us. It keeps us focused. We might find a book that's well-written that we would like to read. But at this point in, in the company's life, it's not the right book for our catalog.
0: Some editors have a, an interesting process around trying to choose or vet things. Uh, do you guys have uh, any Anything juicy to share?
1: I, I don't know that it's interesting to the outside world. I mean, we do a couple things that are at least slightly unique. We do our first readings uh, blind, so we don't know who the author is. We have no personally identifying information in the manuscript. It's up on our submission requirements. Actually, if you if you send us a manuscript with your name on it it does not get read right we don't want to be swayed by do we know this person are they a friend do we like them have we met them at a con do they have a following we also don't want any of those subconscious biases that sneak in around male writers versus female writers writers with names that seem of one ethnicity versus another we really want to keep all of that out of our process
0: that's so sad all of us are trying to figure out how to get into that (laughs) process and you're like subverting it all right there
1: yeah we just we just want the story to stand on its own and to defend itself, right? And that's where we start. Kaylin Considine, uh, one of our owners, is also the acquisitions editor, and she is in charge of the whole acquisitions process. So she reads every single novel that gets submitted. And if she starts to find herself getting a few pages into a book, she kind of flags it and says, okay, when I got some time, I want to read this. When she finds herself getting a few chapters into a book, she kind of flags it and she says, this is pretty good. I'm going to send this to the rest of the team right because the last thing she wants to do is spend all that time reading an entire novel and she has 172 others <laughs> waiting to be read so she'll send it to the rest of the ownership team and we'll all read and provide input and say yeah we think this one might work at which point one of the owners will then take over championing that book and take over the role of i'm going to finish this and i'm going to represent it to the rest of the team and sell the benefits all right very good yeah, we, we believe firmly in in book champions, right? Somebody with a stake in the success of Parvis um, has to believe in that book and be able to, to, to defend it and sell it to the rest of the team.
0: Have there been any good fights? <laughs>
1: There really haven't. We're we're very boring from a, an ownership <laughs> group perspective. I don't want to say we all see eye to eye, or we all have the, you know, we don't all have the same taste, which is part of the reason that I've built this this team of owners that I have. But there is just a world of mutual respect. The only thing that kind of borders on anything resembling tension is sometimes somebody really loves a book, and and I and I have to be the Grinch who says, "Well, that." It might be a great book, but, you know, the the sales potential isn't there. Right. It's not going to you know, we don't have the catalog to to support that title. We don't have other books like it that can we can borrow the audience and grow from.
0: Very nice. You touched upon the audience. Right. Right. Product pairing to an audience that you already have in order to uh, get them excited about buying this other product.
1: Very good it's something that we've taken again from the indies what a lot of indies are successful at is building their list and rapidly producing books that are of a you know of a vein that they know that that list is going to like right so they build their loyal readers our process is slower our books release a lot further apart and we have a whole bunch of authors that we need to support with that. So the the lesson that we take away there is we do want to make sure there's audience overlap and that we're growing our catalog by picking up books that are definitely going to share some of the audience that we've got with existing titles.
0: Let's talk about readers for a moment. So envision your target reader. What kind of person are they? What kind of movies do they watch? And I, I'm not talking about the general reader. I'm talking about the one who you you look at somebody and you go, that person would love our books.
1: My ideal reader, well, there's the the businessy one, right? Is someone who likes to pre-order books, but not too early. Kind of in the last week to give it a bump in the algorithms. And they love paying full price for stuff. Uh um <laughs> the the ideal target reader for us though is someone who is a little bit interested in popular culture they like buffy the vampire slayer they like angel they like firefly they like you know mad max right so the types of books that we produce are they're not navel gazers right they're not door stoppers they are they are books that that move right they are strong characters but they're plot driven right and that's really the the kind of reader that we're looking at that they want to get to know these characters those are strong characters, but the characters are not overly developed. It's the plot that moves through and pulls you through a compelling story.
0: Buffy the Vampire Slayer you're kind of put your, you're creating an age uh, situation there as well. So that's like uh, probably late or early. Let's see, would that be late Gen Xer? Huh. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, listen,
1: I mean, I'm a 38 year old white guy, right? Can't I can't tell what color
0: I, you are on the radio.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have the experiences that I have, right? And those experiences are going to inform what I like. And the books that Paris buys are informed by what books I like, right? That's, that's not to say that I don't have broad horizons. It just means that we're going to have a tendency to tilt towards the kind of things that have influenced me. It is part of the reason that we try to be as diverse as we can when we bring in other team members, we bring in other other viewpoints, right? It's, it's part of the reason why we intentionally read blind. I don't want my biases to be at the front of picking what we do because I don't want the audience to just be people like me. I want I want this company to be broader and I want our catalog to be broader than that.
0: But I have to compliment you on no, and having a vision of what your uh, ideal reader lo- looks like, because uh, a lot of people want to be as broad as possible and say, oh, well, you know, it's so hard to pick. It's anybody who reads any kind of science fiction. But we know that can't be true. And it's actually quite helpful to have a clear picture of who you want to attract yourself so you can uh, go out and find those people.
1: We need to start with a focus somewhere, right? And um, and we can we can grow out from that. But you know, a lack of focus is the death of business, right? So, when when we deviate from that focus, it has to be well intentioned. It has to have a plan behind it. We gotta justify those departures.
0: However, you found sci-fi thoughts, be it iTunes stitcher or any of the other podcast aggregation services if you've enjoyed the show go ahead and do us a favor go to wherever you get this podcast and leave us a review even clicking a few stars and this will help out the show in many ways Parvis Press is spelled P-A-R-V-U-S, and you can find them on the internet or tap, tap, tap on the show notes. Next episode, we hear more from Colin Coyle, publisher and president of Parvis Press.
1: So the name Parvis, I was really hung up on it, right? Like I didn't want to go too far into the planning of the the business before I knew what the name was going to be because. Names are powerful, right? Like, I've been a fantasy reader all my life. There's power in names.
0: Aren't you curious where the name Parvis comes from? That and others will be revealed in the next episode.